and welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about deadly erotic friend fiction so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Whisper of Death by Christopher Pike. Joining us to discuss this 90s teen cautionary tale are Abby, children's librarian and former Christopher Pike fan email list subscriber. It is true. I was very obsessed with Christopher Pike. (laughs) (laughs) And Molly, young adult author and very unusual lady. (laughs) I am. And as an author, I have the power to put you all in my butterfly jar. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. And this was certainly something. (laughs) For those who don't remember or weren't listening to us at that point in time, last year around Halloween, we did uh, an episode about Scavenger Hunt by Christopher Pike. And that was the first Christopher Pike book I'd ever read. Because when I was a youth, like, they just seemed a little too scary for me. And I just never read one. But a, a lot of people read a lot of them such as abby and i read a lot of them (laughs) (laughs) and also i I guess on the previous christopher episode (laughs) did you like this one better renata i have to say i did i did like this one more um i think it i don't know they were both really bananas but (laughs) i i don't want to spend the whole time talking about scavenger hunt because we already did that but scavenger hunt to me dragged a lot because there were a lot of these just like flashbacks or like exposition and this was like none like nothing boring just only pure crazy things happening one after the other yeah Yeah, i would totally together better i think i would agree i read this one in like basically one sitting but not because i had to more or i was like oh like i'm just gonna blow through this because i'm really interested in what's gonna happen because this is just fucking bonkers and it (laughs) it is fucking bonkers like, my notes for every chapter, it's just, like, what? And then, like, what in all caps? And then, like, what? And then, dang. <laughs> it is a plot that does not hold up under more than, like, a second of scrutiny. But as you're reading it, you're definitely like, like oh, my God, how are these teenagers going to be murdered or suicided in this empty, creepy town? I need to keep reading. Yeah, I, I guess we should uh, give a, a plot summary for those of you who who have not read Whisper of Death before, um, and it's about, well, it's about a couple named Roxanne and Pepper, and Roxanne gets knocked up, and they're going to go have an abortion, and she, at the last minute, feels guilty about it and leaves the office unaborted. And a key factor here is that their town is so small that there isn't an abortion clinic there. So that's they have most to... towns in America, let's be real. That's true. Thanks, Obama. They have to drive out of their town several miles away to another larger town. And because the appointment is very early in the morning on Saturday, they leave Friday night and spend the night in a hotel. So she gets up pretty much mid-procedure before anything surgical happens. But, like, while she's there in the gown, in the stirrups, and tells her boyfriend she's changed her mind, and they leave. And on their way back into town, it, it's you can already tell something's weird. And there's tons of foreshadowing, because the whole story is told as a flashback that Roxanne is writing down for reasons that are not yet clear. But as they're driving back into town, she thinks that she sees a hitchhiker 
But by the time she gets closer to where she thought she saw the hitchhiker, there's no one there. So she just ignores it. And they drive into town and stop at the gas station on the way. And when she goes to pay for the gas that they're filling up with, she realizes that there's no one in the gas station, but the cash register has been left open. So she's terrified that there someone's holding up the gas station and freaks out and freaks out to Pepper. So he goes inside to see what's happening. And there's no holdup because there's no one there. There's just the whole thing is completely empty and abandoned. So they think that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, teenagers who are having crises about abortions and babies So she drops Pepper at home and she goes to her own house and her father's a long haul trucker. So he's not around and she's not expecting him, but she doesn't see anyone or hear any birds or see the rambunctious dogs next door. And when she turns on the radio, she can't get any stations. It's all static. And the same with the television. And she even, she even tries to call her friend in Florida and there's no answer. No answer anywhere. So she runs back towards the center of town and there's no one there except Pepper. And they think that they have been, that maybe the town was evacuated in the middle of the night. Maybe there was some sort of toxic waste spill or nuclear explosion. Some reason why everyone left, but they don't know what it is and they're super freaked out. And then they meet, do they meet Stan first? They meet Helter first. Oh, yeah. No, There's they meet Stan kid... first. You're right. They meet Stan first. Yeah, because they meet Stan, who's this sort of, like, fat nerd, and he's like, everyone's dead. Let's go eat ice cream. And <laughs> I think that's extremely like reasonable. Yeah, that makes sense. But Roxanne is, like, kind of judging him for it. She's like, uh, it's the end of the world. You don't need to be fat and have pimples. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you kind of get the impression from the start that Stan knows sort of what's going on or has a hint or a a theory at least. So when they're talking to him, they figure out like, okay, well, if there are other people in town, logically, what would their next move be? So they figure it would be to take a lot of money and steal a nice car and drive out of town. So they go to the bank where Helter is... Stealing money and shooting guns at them because he's afraid of them before he realizes who it is. And he shoots rocks in the leg. Yes. But she's okay. Yes. So then the the four of them then meet up with this girl, Leslie Bell, who is like the prettiest, most popular, but also like super nice. And, you know, just like a good person, even though she's a little self-centered. Uh, She's also freaking out and they eventually realize after walking around town together for a while that there's no one else in town and that it's really weird that the five of them all know each other and are all the same age but are otherwise unconnected except that Stan thinks that they are connected because he thinks that they're all connected to a girl named Betty Sue who was a classmate of theirs who really gruesomely killed herself about four weeks prior. Which I forgot we know about that, because that's kind of why Roxanne changes her mind about the abortion. As she's like there in the stirrups, and then she thinks about how Betty Sue set herself on fire, and then she's like, huh, maybe I'll keep the baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, basically. Yeah. 
Um, so they head over to Betty Sue's house, and Leslie's, like, really weird about it, even though they apparently, according to Stan and Helter, were best friends when they were little kids and then grew out of their friendship in high school. And they find in Betty Sue's room her journal and a bunch of short stories that she's written. And they start reading her diary. And it's all like really weird stuff where she's like, God, I don't even remember what the exact diary entries were. She basically alludes to the fact that if she wants something, she writes it down and it happens. She sounds like a real lizard person in her diary. <laughs> I just want to say, like, doesn't yeah. she talk about licking, like, she wants to eat people in her dreams and stuff? Yeah, well, and she, she wants to put them all in butterfly jars, like a lizard person would do, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, like, in her diary, like, they read old entries from when they were younger, from when um, Betty Sue and Leslie were younger, and she kind of like references oh there was this boy who I didn't like and he'll probably die soon and then one of the kids confirms that he died of cancer not long after he moved away from town and then you know there's a boy that she likes so she thinks she's gonna make him go out with her and she's mad at Leslie because she says something like you know she made Leslie who she was and Leslie is kissing the boys that she wants to kiss and she, Leslie, well, like, and she, she also talks about this fat Freddy character who yeah. never comes back. <laughs> no. Well, but she wait. eats him for supper in her dreams, I think. Wait, I thought Stan was fat Freddy. No, oh. Stan is Well, I think in some else. of the stories, Stan is something else. He's like the jester. But I also kind of thought fat Freddy was Stan. But maybe just because like, Roxanne thinks of him as being fat so much all the time. So I just assumed the other fat person was also him. I thought that so I guess I thought it was like the demon that was possessing her. Yeah, like it kind of when she references him when she's a kid, it kind of sounds like he's like the person who she tells her secrets to and that's how they become real. But that but that's what she does with Stan. Like Well, St- well no, she just tells Stan things. She doesn't he's not the one who makes them become real though. Well, not not willingly. But he sort of would bring things to her. There, there's a story about Stan. He's the soda radar. Yeah. With the queen beetle and he pokes himself with the needle. Yeah, yeah. No, I know that one is Stan, but I just thought this was also Stan. I don't well, think she, so. No, she says, because she says, she says that she makes Leslie's wish come true by, like, that fat Freddy is the one that made it come true. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. she's like... Yeah, Fat Freddy will make Leslie's wish come true. But and then we don't really ever figure out who Fat Freddy obviously. <laughs> we never figure out who that is, apparently. Anyway, but she says she eats them at some point, which makes me think of lizard people. Wait, okay. Who the hell is Fat Freddy? Helter growled. And Leslie says no, but we all know she's lying. So Leslie knows who Fat Freddy is? I think so, but I still think he's just like an imaginary like, because Stan doesn't, when he says, who's Fat Freddy, Stan doesn't say me or anything. He just says, do you know? Yeah. Like, I don't, because the way she says that Fat Freddy would make it, would make my wishes come true doesn't sound like. Yeah, yeah, no, you're Stan. right. That wasn't his job. His job was to genuflect and do whatever Betty Sue wanted him to. Right. 
But anyway, so she has all these stories <laughs> and diaries. And as they're reading them, like, Leslie's really cagey. And, you know, when they say, who's Fat Freddy? She says, oh, I don't know. And, and she, like, won't let them finish reading the diary and eventually, like, pulls it away and goes to burn it. And while she's doing that, they look at the short stories. And the first one is the story of Laddie Bell, who, like, obviously, or Laddie Ball, obviously Laddie Ball, Leslie Bell, the same. And, like, Laddie Ball is so pretty, and she puts on a mask, and they bring out a beautiful birthday cake for her, and the mask catches fire, and it burns her face off. And Leslie freaks out and tears the story to shreds and sets it on fire and sets the diary on fire and tears up all the other stories and, like, loses her mind over it. And everyone else thinks she's behaving kind of strangely, but whatever. But then... Well, they're mad at her for ripping them up. Like, yeah, because like, they no. wanted to read it. And they're starting to... They try to, like, piece together the the scraps. Yeah, but before they do that, I they, they vote. That's right. They vote on what they want to do. And Helter and Leslie decide they're going to leave town. They're going to get in a car and drive to L.A. Because even if... LA is as deserted as their town Salem is. Once they get there, they could get like a cushy, like beachfront property and be far away from all this. And Stan, Rox, and Pepper decide that they want to stay and figure out what's going on. But as they're preparing to leave, Leslie's filling the car with gas and also smoking, which Rox mentioned several times Leslie doesn't smoke. Um, And, of course, she drops the cigarette while she's filling the car up, and the car explodes and kills her. I imagine it basically as the the gas fight scene from Zoolander. (laughs) But (laughs) with the the gas fight, I guess. So they freak out, and then Stan points out that she died basically the same way that Laddie Ball did in the story, so that they should try to find the rest of the stories to figure out why all of them have been chosen by Betty Sue because all of them are connected to Betty Sue except for Rox. Everyone's kind of being cagey about it except for Stan who just says like we were friends and I saw her the night she died before she died and well uh, and is is Pepper admitting that he knew Betty Sue yet at this point because that's that's a big mystery too. Yeah, he I think he says like oh like I knew her but he doesn't say how and when Rox says like like did you go out with her and he goes no of course not like why would I do that (laughs) definitely not nope (laughs) so they find the first story and they put it back together and it's about Helter except he's called like some holder skater or something some dumb name that sounds like his name which his regular name is dumb anyway so the dumb version is just like not really necessary. And while they're looking for it, um, Rox thinks she sees Betty Sue and freaks out. So the boys, well, Helter and Pepper get guns and start running around trying to find Betty Sue so they can shoot her, I guess. And while they're doing that, Stan confides to Rox that he read some of the leftover parts of the diary that they saved from being burned. And that to him, it sounds like Helter raped Betty Sue. So if Helter really is the next to die, it's probably going to be horrible and gruesome. Just FYI. (laughs) 
<laughs> so they they chase the ghost of Betty Sue, the visions that they're having to the empty high school. And despite the fact that it's a really stupid idea to split up and everyone is like, no, we shouldn't split up. Helter's like, no, we're going to split up. I'm going to go this way and you guys are going to go that way. So Rox goes with Helter in an attempt to keep him from harm. And he ends up shooting at a mirror that he thinks is Betty Sue, but it's actually his reflection. And when he runs out of guns and his shotgun, he goes to pull his revolver out of his pants and it goes off in exactly the place you would think a rapist's revolver would go off in a <laughs> revenge scenario. <laughs> and then, wait, and then doesn't something else horrible happen to him? Well, she kills him. Oh, she puts him out of his misery. Yeah, right? he's, like, bleeding to death, and they're like, oh, no, we'll save you, we'll save you. And he's like, there's no way you can save me. And Stan and Pepper are like, we can't kill you. And Rox is like, you boys go wait outside. Oh, yeah, because she's like, I was ready to have an abortion today. I can kill a dude. That's <laughs> yeah, basically the same thing. Rox asks Helter, like, did you rape her? And he's like, I don't know, I didn't want to. And then Rox is like, she made you rape her? It's so sketch and weird. Okay, but th- okay, but I kind of want to talk about this for, like, hours. Because normally, <laughs> normally, of course, like you, like, you can't blame the victim for rape, like, ever. Except, but what if she's a witch who's controlling you with her mind? Then can you blame her? <laughs> She, got, she like, made Leslie smoke cigarettes. So. Right? Like, she's making all the... Like, I'm not clear, and maybe that's sort of the point of it, is we're not totally clear on how much she actually did make happen and how much she's reacting to. I mean, I kind of got the impression from what Stan said and then from sort of how Helter talked about it and how Betty Sue talked about it later, that it was one of those things where she made Helter go out with her and have sex with her at some point, but it reached a point where he was so angry with her that, like, she kind of lost control of the situation and he raped her. Right, because it says that he hurt her. Like, I mean, if she was making him have sex with her, you'd think she'd want it. I guess also, like, so she was really jealous of of Leslie for getting like, the cute boys to like her or whatever. But if Betty Sue had all this power, like, why couldn't she just make the cute boys like her instead? Or, like, make herself pretty instead of make Leslie pretty? My main issue with this story is that if you have powers like this, what the fuck are you doing in a podunk, like, ass-end-of-nowhere town in high school? Like Maybe Fat Freddy lives there. You for good and by for good I mean for your own self-interest if you're in like such a shitty position write yourself into some money or some better friends at least (laughs) yeah um but yeah so uh Rox is like yeah like that mean person who you raped we're gonna get her and then puts him out of his misery by shooting him in the head and then goes out to meet the other boys and changes her bloody shirt but not her bloody pants because for some reason that's not really fully explained well she Um, they're like she's like proud of them she's like yeah "Yeah." like they've (laughs) they've been through it all with me they've been through abortions (laughs) and murders today (laughs) (laughs) it's very strange um but so they they decide okay we're gonna find the next story and the next story they find is about stan 
and after they put it together and read it, Stan doesn't feel great, so he says he's going to go to the drugstore and get some aspirin, and when they get there, well, Rox goes after him to make sure he's okay, and he tells her, he exposition dumps on her, basically, and is like, you know, no, I've known that Betty Sue can do this for a while, and every night she would make me go over to her house so that she could tell me about all the things that she's done. I think she really wanted a friend and a confidant, and I really liked her, and she liked me, so she used me for this because she trusted me, and she used to keep butterflies in jars to watch them bake in the sun, and that's what she's doing to us. Like, she's gotten rid of everyone else, and she's put us in a jar and, like, I don't think we'll be able to leave town because I think this town is in a jar. Yeah. All of this stuff. And Rox is like, okay, well, let's let's go try something else. And he's like, I can't. It takes her a really long time to notice that, A, his arms have been behind the counter somehow. Like, he's sitting facing her, but his arms are behind his back and I guess, like, hooked over the edge of the counter. And that he slit his wrists and blood is, like slowly pooling out from underneath the counter. <laughs> it sounds so... Like, I would love for this to be a Lifetime movie. <laughs> <laughs> because because unlike the others, like, Stan is just like, like, well, time for me to die. Like, he just, like, walks right into it. Like, he, there's no... Like, Leslie and uh, Helter both are, like, trying to fight it, but then, you know, it sort of comes for them anyway. But Stan's like, all right, I have to slash my wrists now. Yeah, he believes in her power. Yeah. There's there's some philosophical, like, you, you could really analyze this if you were, you know, taking a philosophy class or something. Or if you just, like, felt like getting really into it. You know, he's, like, very fatalistic, and Rox and Pepper try to fight their fates. And I'm the most upset about Stan's death, to be honest, because he was the character I liked the most. Like, he was, like, pretty logical. He bought into this. He wasn't a total jackass like everyone else in the book. He, she's, he was her friend, and she trusted him. So I don't quite understand. Like, there was no bad blood there as far as we can tell. But no, she was what just, was like... the story? I think that she could kind of tell... Like, that he felt sorry for her, that he wasn't... I think she wasn't... He wasn't, like, quite what she wanted. Yeah, but I still... I mean, like, I can understand if, like, your former best friend who you did everything for, including making her beautiful and popular, abandoned you and made fun of you and stole all your boyfriends. Like, in a teenage way, okay, I get it. And I get, like, the... This guy raped her. Like, obviously, that one I understand. And I get, which we haven't gotten to yet, why... She was mad at Pepper and rocks by association, but I don't understand why she was like, yes, and this guy who I'm friendly with and I like and I trust, but isn't quite what I really wanted out of a companion, I'm going to murder him in cold blood as well. Like, I'm just mad about it. Like She's Sam, a bad girl, Kate. I know. <laughs> She's a spooky girl. <laughs> she says that he's boring, basically, like in his... In- in the story she writes about him. Yeah, he he brought her she a says, story she'd already heard. Yeah, she says, your stories have no rhyme, no sense of time, and that is the worst of crimes. Like, <laughs> yes. Which I think rape is the worst I of know. crimes. 
<laughs> Guys, I think it's abortion that's the worst of crimes, okay? <laughs> I think that's the moral of the story. <laughs> I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Stan dies, and Pepper's like, we need to leave town. And Rox is like, I don't think we can leave town. And he's like, well, fuck Stan, he's dead. He can't tell us what to do. So they put Stan in his bed the way that they had promised him, the way that Rox promised him they would. And they fill up a, ga- a car with gas and they get money and food and shit. And they try to drive out of town. But the further they drive, the worse this sandstorm gets. And it starts to like make it impossible for the car to move forward and impossible for them to see. So they turn around and they drive back into town and kind of like accept their fate. Wait, and they did read... you did you mention the the newspaper? Oh, oh right. <laughs> Tell us about the newspaper. <laughs> Before Stan goes into the drugstore, he gets a newspaper from like one of those newspaper dispenser machines, and he shows it to Rox in the drugstore, and it's a half finished front page article about the death of five local teens, and it's obviously the five of them, and um, it's not it mentions how uh helter and leslie die but doesn't mention stan or um salt not salt or fox or pepper (laughs) yet um and it has like all their yearbook photos in it and shit and she's scared of that but yeah so they they when they come back into town they've read the story about her and pepper which is essentially like i'm not quite sure what (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> something about no i think it just cuts off doesn't it pepper. oh no oh no betty's story no, yeah yeah betty's story like how salt uses a fork to get pepper on the queen's dinner and whatever so they go back to the barn where they first had sex and pepper admits that he had gone out with betty sue twice and he didn't know why because he didn't even like her but something like compelled him to do it and that they had had sex twice, once before he and Roxanne got together, and once after, and that she was pregnant. And Stan had already said, you know, she she was pregnant, and she told me about all of this, that, you know, something was going to happen, and I was going to understand everything, and that it was going to start when someone else was like me. And what that was, what he inferred she meant was someone else got pregnant. Oh, well, also, uh, at the beginning, before it jumps into all this, we kind of have just some chill time with Roxanne and Pepper at the very beginning of the book. And she's really, like, Pepper's the first person she's ever had sex with. And he's a little bit cagey about whether or not he's had sex before. And I I feel like he tells her that he she's his first, but she doesn't really believe him. But she doesn't really want to question it. So then when it comes back that he'd slept with Betty Sue, then I think she's, like, extra angsty about it beyond just the whole situation. Yeah. She had had her one encounter with Betty Sue prior to her suicide had been they had a gym class together. And once they were the last two into the showers, and when Betty Sue left the shower, she handed Rox a bar of soap with a baby carved into it. <laughs> and it was right before, like, Roxanne didn't know she was pregnant yet. Yeah. But, well, she was. I, I'm confused. Wait, they hadn't had sex yet, though, had they? Was it before, was before she, was she had pregnant. sex? She didn't with... know yet. Yeah, she was pregnant, but she didn't know yet. Okay, because I, I have so many questions about this book. <laughs> 
I, I thought it all made sense. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Ask me anything. She, I'll explain she, it to you. Could she have been pregnant already before Exa- Betty Sue died? Exactly. Like, okay. I don't think she could have been pregnant before Betty Sue died. Except for she only had sex at one time, and Betty Sue had sex with Pepper after. So she must have already been pregnant. But she, but Pepper said that Betty Sue got pregnant before she, they had sex the second time. That she had already told him that she was pregnant at, when they were right after they had sex the second time. Right, but Roxanne and Pepper only slept together once. But okay. it was after, after. Ever, and she got okay. pregnant immediately. If <laughs> right? I may, I think the timeline alive. here is <laughs> Betty and Pepper had sex. She got pregnant. And had an abortion, question mark. And then <laughs> Roxanne and Pepper had sex. She got pregnant and didn't know about it for a little while. The soap thing happened. And also Betty Sue and Pepper had sex again. And then after that, Betty Sue committed suicide. And then after that, Roxanne found out she was pregnant. And after that, she tried to have an abortion. And after that, all this shit happened. Wait, we, we can edit this out later. I'm looking it up in the book now because I'm seriously confused with how the baby is Betty Sue if Betty Sue is alive when she got pregnant. Right. I think uh, that's the, the question we're asking. Like, da, 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 da. do you think the baby is Betty Sue or is it Betty the... Sue's baby? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think, think it's baby... Betty Sue's baby. I thought the baby was Betty Sue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought the baby was Betty Sue too because I thought that was how Betty Sue became the hitchhiker at the end. Yeah, and I'm but I'm looking at now. Uh, Renata was right. She had known Pepper about a week, and she was pregnant, but she didn't know it. And Betty Betty Sue would be dead in less than a week, so they were both pregnant at this point. No, I think Betty Sue had already had the abortion at that point. Her, Betty Sue's abortion. Well, on page one sixty two, Betty Sue says, "I am. I was the one in your womb. I came back for you. You were pregnant with me, mother." <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, guys, magic. <laughs> a, a large plot hole here is the plot <laughs> Wait, you came back to kill me. Yes, but to do that, you had to kill me first. But then also, it does seem like maybe they've been in kind of a Groundhog's Day time loop for a while. Like, I'm not sure that this is the first time this this has happened. <laughs> that's that's a good point. That's a very yeah. good point. It does seem like this is going to just keep happening over and over. Right, yeah. I, I think what we've read is definitely the last time it happens. I think at the end of this, Roxanne actually dies for actual, and I think maybe that ends this cycle, but it seems like before that, maybe this had happened before. But it doesn't end the cycle because Betty Sue gets in Pepper's car on the way home from the abortion clinic after Roxanne has died. Yeah, so I mean, you're right. I think Roxanne drops out of the game. <laughs> I, I think that maybe we put way more thought into this than Christopher Pike did. <laughs> I think maybe, yeah. <laughs> But so so anyway, so they they go back to the barn where she and Pepper had first had sex, and they get into a fight about him having slept with Betty Sue, and he goes to shove her, or um, Roxanne goes to shove Pepper away from her, and he falls off of the hayloft that they're in, and falls down onto a pitchfork, which pierces him through his chest and kills him. Uh, so Roxanne's pretty upset about that. She buries him in hay, which seems counterproductive in a windstorm, <laughs> but whatever. No, and the windstorm then... ended in a barn. once they got back into town. The windstorm is only on the edges of the 
of the snow globe that they're living in oh, right okay. now. The butterfly jar, if you will. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mix my metaphors. <laughs> so she goes straight to Betty Sue's house and walks into her house and sits down at her desk and is compulsively drawn to write the story that we are reading. And as she gets to the end, Betty Sue comes in and tells her to keep writing literally everything they say and do. Which I guess is so the narrative doesn't abruptly cut off and we don't know what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Betty Sue expositions to her this whole thing about how she was like, I I was your child and I I was in your womb and you, you grew me, but I couldn't escape to kill you until you killed me first by having an abortion. And essentially confirms that she was only mad at Roxanne because Pepper loved Roxanne and not her. Which, again, it seems like she should have been able to... I guess maybe that's the whole, like, she didn't want to have to make him love her. But, like, feels like she could have. Although her her power is apparently not, like, infinite. Because it apparently got out of hand with Helter. So... Yeah. Maybe she had already learned that the hard way. (laughs) Yeah, the powers are not really explained well. But we flash back to... The abortion clinic and Roxanne. Wait, well, it, it ends. Sorry, the as Betty Sue's or, or Roxanne's story ends with Betty Sue stabbing her and she dies yes. in the belly. She, she of stabs course. her with a, a knitting needle and wakes up having in the middle of her abortion procedure, and the doctor's freaking out and she feels like she's being stabbed and like she starts to like hallucinate all the things that had happened in the. Butterfly jar, abandoned town. Then for the epilogue, we cut to Pepper, who's waiting anxiously in the waiting room, wishing he had just told Roxanne the truth, that he did want to keep the baby, but that he was messed up because another girl he slept with had gotten pregnant too. And the doctor comes out and yells at the nurse that he needs a better surgeon to come in. And Pepper freaks out and goes into the operating room and sees blood everywhere and Roxanne has died and no one knows why like she wouldn't stop bleeding and it it didn't make any sense and Pepper's heartbroken and it doesn't even sound like they refund him the $500 he paid for the abortion <laughs> but, and, and also the epilogue is also partly from Roxanne's point of view and that's what makes me think it's a Groundhog's Day time loop is like because we see her thoughts and it seems like she kind of remembers all this stuff happening and she's like okay well I'm just gonna give up and die and so yeah. she dies this time um, so Pepper's distraught and he gets in her car and starts to drive back towards town and on the way he sees the hitchhiker that Roxanne saw on their first way back into town and he picks her up because he feels compelled to do so even though he doesn't care about anything but his poor dead girlfriend and it's very obviously Betty Sue and he like vaguely is like you look familiar do I know you from somewhere and she's like nope and they drive back into town and she's like (laughs) evil cackles and that's the end of the very confusing story she pulls when like as she's riding in his car she pulls a cigarette some bullets a razor and a fork out of her purse and just like puts them on her lap like hey which goes back to the time loop thing (laughs) yeah they're heading back to town to like do this these murders all over again yeah also i'd like to jump back uh, just one moment and 
and say, um, so Betty Sue stabs her with a kneading, knitting needle. Do you think she has an engram? Do you think this is a Dianetics tie-in? It might be. Because yeah, L. Ron Hubbard, I mean, if you'll recall. There is an awful lot of abortion in this book. Yeah, L. Ron Hubbard, if you'll recall, was very into uh, abortions with knitting needles. That yes. was a recurring theme in his work. So I feel like there's a connection. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I'm wondering, this This book is, um, I believe it was published in 1991. <clears throat> and uh, I just want to point out that condoms had been invented by then and in fact it was like the middle of the AIDS crisis so I feel like there was a lot of like you know a lot of information out there about safe sex so I'm just wondering like what is Pepper's problem (laughs) yeah because like she even says like oh like I guess we could have used condoms but I didn't think about it until after and that was one of the things that made me until the text directly contradicted it think that that Betty Sue was already dead before they had sex and became her fetus because a, like immediately when she finds out she's pregnant, she thinks it's a girl. She knows it's a girl. And B, she was like the way that she talked about not using condoms made it feel like Betty Sue was making her not use condoms with what we later learn. Hmm. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I think that maybe Christopher Pike initially intended her to be pregnant with Betty Sue, but then messed the timeline up and didn't care enough to go back and fix it. That's fair. Wait. <laughs> with the t- I just figured this out, though. So, like, I think I had been interpreting it earlier as that, like, Pepper said he slept together with Betty. He slept with Betty Sue once before he met Roxanne and once after. And I think I was yes. interpreting that as once before he slept with her and once after. But now I'm thinking... If he slept with Betty Sue after he met Roxanne, but before she got pregnant, then that, that actually does solve that timeline problem. Because, do you know what I'm saying? Like, if Betty Sue's already dead by the time they have sex, then that, oh, except for the soap thing. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, but also, maybe, okay, so Betty Sue, everyone describes her as being, like, very gaunt and, like, gross looking. Maybe she, like, was dead and sort of her spirit <laughs> was in the in Roxanne's baby but her body was still walking around to do creepy soap messages for a while <laughs> As, like, it's also confusing like if whether or not she really died like they start no sort of nobody knows like there was a fire right oh, that's right yeah so they're not really sure so maybe she, she really... never died yeah or maybe she was always dead Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so the long and short of it is that this book is fucked up and hard <laughs> to follow. And also, so I was intrigued at first because it starts off pretty quickly with them going to this abortion clinic. And it's like pretty matter of fact and straightforward about this abortion clinic. And at first I was almost refreshed by it because I, it's not... I mean, I know that there are recent YA books that have had abortion, but I don't think I've read anything lately that was so, at first, straightforward about abortion as a medical procedure. And then it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. It's a little, like, pro-choice kind of. And I was like, no, it's not. It's, like, very much, (laughs) like, if you have an abortion, it will kill your entire town. Right. (laughs) Because it's, I guess because I was, I felt the same way because I was expecting, like, the doctor and the nurse to be mean and evil. And, like, they were kind of detached, but she even 
comments like, oh, like, they're probably perfectly nice, but they do this 900 times a day, and it's just a medical procedure to them, not, like, this life-altering thing it is to me. So I shouldn't expect them to give it that weight. And, like, they're, even when she's bleeding out, like, they're still, like, perfectly normal and not evil and not, like creepy or rude or mean but still like the story is a pretty strong metaphor for if you have an abortion like you are sentencing everyone to death and sentencing yourself to you know misery yeah and roxanne also multiple times equates abortion with murder um i mean especially when she kills helter but other times in her head yeah, yeah and like, like, oh, I already had an abortion. I guess just like killing a guy with a gun <laughs> is no is no big deal. It's like the same. Yeah, and she like has a lot of like the only reason that she's gonna have the abortion is because Pepper offers to pay for it and tells her, of course, she's having an abortion when like she's really not totally sold on it. And even the first doctor she sees. He's like, oh, well, we can't do this procedure in town, but I can get you an appointment at the clinic that can. And she's like, well, I don't know that I'm doing this yet. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. Pepper, Pepper's a real dick about it also. Yeah. He is. But to be fair to Pepper, he just went through this apparently and it ended up with his girlfriend being burned up in a fire. So or the, <laughs> his, you know, baby mama. And so may- keep... maybe he's concerned that, you know, if she gets an abortion, she's going to set herself on fire. <laughs> and I can't help but wonder, since her, since Roxanne going to have the abortion sets everything in motion, if him wanting her to have an abortion is actually, like, Betty Sue's involvement again. Because he, when he's alone in the in the waiting room in the epilogue, when we're outside of the time loop, possibly he's thinking about how he wished that she wasn't going to do it and that they would raise the baby together and all this stuff. So I can't help but wonder if maybe Betty Sue was making him make her get an abortion, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. What, Who what knows how deep this controlling? goes? Yeah. Right? <laughs> all right. Well, I think we've probably covered about as much as we can reasonably cover without like going you know, starting our master's level class on this. So let's move on <laughs> to our dramatic readings. But before we do that, I will note one small disappointment with this book compared to Scavenger Hunt, which is, if you'll recall from our Scavenger Hunt episode, that book had 3D boobs on the cover. Like, they were <laughs> embossed. And this one doesn't have that. It's not very sexy at all. So that's... But much like Scavenger Hunt, this cover has nothing to do with what actually happens in the book. No, I mean a little, but not really. Like it's the death hitchhiker looks like, a, like a stereotypical death, and not like Betty Sue. And also, they're like stopped on the side of the road, freaking out instead of just driving by and ignoring the hitchhiker, right. like they did in the actual book. Right. What else? Anyway, dramatic readings. Uh, the first dramatic reading. I'm going to read the first of the short stories that Betty Sue wrote. This one is about Leslie. So we'll go with that. Laddie Ball puts on a mask. Laddie Ball dressed for the costume party with relish. She wanted to look pretty. She wanted to look mysterious. She took a mask from the closet of witches and tied the lace bow around her sweet head. My, she said as she stared into the mirror, how happy we are to be the best. The men will ask me to dance. The men will forget the rest. Laddie Ball went to the dance. 
The mask fit tight on her soft face. The people did not recognize her, but said she was the best. Oh, who is this woman? They cried. She walks like an angel and she floats like a swan. And the men lined up to ask for her hand. She was swept around the floor into another land. The party went late and the night grew tired. Laddie Ball had to stop and rest between dances. Then the clock rang 12 times and a cake was brought out. A cake of 12 candles. And Laddie Ball wondered whose birthday it could be and hurried to hear. The hostess of the party laughed and said, the cake is for you. The cake is for the best. Take the knife now and cut some for the rest. But before Laddie Ball could cut the cake, she wanted to make a wish. She leaned over the candles and said to herself, I, w- I want always to be the best, better than the rest. Then she blew at the candles and blew at the cake. But the cake was made of wood and caught fire. It burned her mask. It burned her face. Then the mask was part of Laddie Ball's face and she looked like death. See, So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they're, they're all, they're all about that bad. The rest of them rhyme more even than these, yeah. this one did. I think, <clears throat> I mean, they're intentionally supposed to be like real weird and creepy. Like they're, they're written in that, like, she's writing kind like of fairy simple tales. sing song. Yeah. Yeah. Like evil tales. <laughs> but they are like, well, maybe it's because he's brainwashed though, but Stan is like, oh, she's such a good writer. She's such a good writer. And then from her first diary entries, everyone's kind of like, uh, and he's like, well, those aren't her best stories, but like, she's a really good writer. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, Stan. I just don't know. That is, that is a, um, a hard corner to write yourself into as an author is like anytime you claim that somebody's a really great author, or like a really great writer, then you have to come up with the beautiful writing that they're doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like I remember on um Studio Three Six or Studio Sixty yeah. the Aaron Sorkin show about like a sitcom or a sketch comedy show and it was always terrible because they were like oh and we're working in this hilarious sketch and then they would show the sketch and you'd be like this is not good this is not a good sketch and you have just <laughs> told me that it was right so I'm saying Aaron Sorkin is probably Betty Sue. <laughs> <laughs> Man, can you imagine a world where the West Wing was real life? God, I wish Aaron Sorkin was Betty Sue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one would probably be fine, actually. But <sighs> Yeah, he would just write, like, really inspiring speeches for all the politicians, pretty much. So. Yeah, everyone would just probably be, like, dehydrated all the time from, like, talking so much without stopping. <laughs> but nobody would probably, like, catch on fire. Yeah. All right, our next dramatic reading is a little of the exposition from Stan about Betty Sue and all of that. Uh, So I'm going to read for Stan, Abby is going to read for Rox, and Molly is going to read for Pepper. Of all of us, Leslie was the most terrified of Betty Sue. She was terrified of what Betty Sue had written. It was as if she knew Betty Sue had power. What power? Isn't it obvious to make things happen? Stop. Did you ever see any demonstration of her power? Not exactly. Well, what does that mean? Did you or didn't you? I would go to see her for no reason on the spur of the moment, and she would always be there waiting for me. She'd smile and say she brought me here. Anybody can say anything. I wouldn't really want to go, but I would anyway. Why wouldn't you want to go? Maybe because I was afraid of her, too. What was she like? From what I remember, she was always alone. 
She was shy and soft-spoken. That might be hard to believe from what you read of her diary, but people can write at length about things they, they wouldn't even think around other people. She was polite, but there was something about her. What? I don't like talking about things like this now. You think it might be dangerous? Yes. Tell us your big story. It's not a big story. It's really a small thing, what I was going to say. But I guess it's revealing. Once, when I went to see her, she was in the backyard collecting butterflies in big glass jars. There were lots of flowers in her yard, and butterflies gathered there. She would hum a song. It seemed to bring them nearer to her. Then she'd trap them in jars and screw on the lids and leave them alone. Well, that doesn't sound particularly cruel. The lids had nail holes punched in them. There was plenty of air for the butterflies. She had dozens of jars. She would collect dozens of butterflies, but then she would leave the jars out in the backyard and just sit and watch the butterflies die. Why would they die? Because she would leave them in the sun. You're all familiar with the greenhouse effect. The air inside the jars would slowly heat up and kill the butterflies. But that wasn't what would get me. It was the way she'd talk as she watched them die. You see, Stan, she'd say, butterflies are dumb. They don't even know what they're in a glass jar. They can see everything just the same. And because of that, they think they can fly wherever they want, just like always. But inside my jars, they're only allowed to fly in tiny circles. Then she leaned over and smiled at me and said, people are a lot like butterflies. Don't you think, Stan? What did you say to her? I said what I thought, that butterflies and people had little in common that I could see. That made her laugh. She said, to you maybe, but not to me. Is there a moral to this story? Leslie was a plain girl with zero charisma. Almost overnight, she became a beautiful young lady. I believe Betty Sue gave her that beauty. I don't know how. I don't know why. I also believe Betty Sue took away that beauty. I believe Betty Sue killed Leslie. Betty Sue is dead. She may be dead, or she may be alive. We can't be sure. Her body was never positively identified. But in either case, her work lives on. Spooky. <laughs> she is a spooky girl. All right. And the last dramatic reading we've got is from the epilogue of Pepper hanging out in the abortion clinic waiting room. And I will be Pepper. Let's keep the baby, he had wanted to say. It will work out. Who knows? He might grow up to be the president of the United States. Of course, Roxanne was convinced she was carrying a girl. Girls can't be president. Pepper couldn't believe his bad luck. <laughs> Roxanne was the second girl he had gotten pregnant in the last two months. Betty Sue McCormick had been the first, and boy, had that been a mistake. The weird thing about the whole mess was that he hadn't even liked Betty Sue. Yet he had gone out with her a dozen times and had slept with her twice, once before he was involved with Roxanne and once after. The second time had been the real killer. He had had no intention of even talking to her again. He was no two-timer, never had been. But then she had called and told him to come over, and before he knew it, he was on his motorcycle flying down the streets. She was home alone and wasted no time in taking off her clothes and his. But afterward, he got out of there as fast as he could. He went home and showered for half an hour. Just the smell of her on him made him feel unclean. 
She had laughed as he left. She said, I've got you now. Then a week later, Betty Sue came up to him at school and told him she was carrying his baby and was a few weeks pregnant. She must have conceived the first time they made love. She looked so happy that he was sure she would insist on keeping the child. But then she cackled when he asked her about her plans. Don't worry about salt, Pepper, she said. She is not going to live to a ripe old age. He hadn't understood that she meant to kill herself along with the fetus. But she committed suicide that very night, and whatever guilt he felt about her death, he felt twice as much relief. Sleeping with her had been like snuggling with a maggot. She was bad news, that Betty Sue. Their child would probably have grown up to be a serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe it did? In its reincarnated form? Who knows, really? (laughs) So, yeah, this book's book's real heavy. Real weird. There's a lot of just, like, we didn't really cover any of this. Roxanne is always, like, quippy as hell. Like, she's always saying stuff, like, kind of a stereotypical, uh, like, action hero almost. Like... When she goes in to get the abortion, she's like, I guess I had more fun getting in this situation than getting out of it. And just, like, shit like that all the time. And I don't... I don't have a good handle on what type of... I feel like that's kind of a Christopher Pike, like, trope. Like, he writes kind of um, blue-collar, like, almost noir heroes that are sort of... You know, like, his heroes are rarely... Rarely have any money. They're always, like, the poor people who hang out with rich people. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, yeah, they're sort of like, they don't ex- expect anything cool from life. <laughs> they're all kind of resigned right. to their crappy lives. Good to know. But they're quippy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's real quippy. Yeah. Or was. Or will always be. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's move on to Would You Rather. And I'll ask, would you rather have sex with a lizard person or Betty Sue? I mean, I think off the bat, like having sex with Betty Sue as women, we at least wouldn't get her pregnant. So we wouldn't have to deal with any of this. My question is, is it my choice or is Betty Sue mind controlling me into having sex with her? I think you'd never know for sure. But also, couldn't the lizard people do that also? Didn't they have, like, sort of, like, pheromones or something? I mean, they were just super hot. Like, everyone just wanted to bone them anyway. I think, wasn't Betty Sue really pretty, though? She had, um, or is it just that she had this, like, magical red hair? I think she just had the magical red hair. But she wasn't. Yeah, because she was, like, she was, like, really, like, skeletal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, they make a comment where they're, like, why, if, if why would she make Leslie so pretty or something and not her? I don't know. Um, I think I'd have sex with Betty Sue because I feel like I feel like she's slightly less likely to kill me than a lizard person as long as I stay on her good side until I can make a clean break of it. Mm, see, I was going to say the opposite. Or I guess I feel like they're both very likely to kill you, but I feel like with the lizard person, it would be like a more straight pers- straightforward death. And with Betty Sue, you might end up in some kind of weird-ass loop like this. 
Yeah, it's I true. But that. you did also refer to the lizard people as a straight person death. So already, I'm I'm off the table for that one. <laughs> oh, I meant straightforward. No, you you said straightforward, but you start it started sounding like you were going to say straight person. Okay. <laughs> readjusted your speaking. So I know what the subtext was, and but also doesn't wasn't what didn't one of the lizard people become nice in the end of scavenger hunt? Yeah, I think one of them repented. I don't so, remember the details. So, like, you, you know, if it's, like, a good enough lay, you might, like, redeem them. Like, they might become good. Oh, yeah, you... with my magical vagina. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, if you're good enough in bed, they might just stop being so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. take that risk, I think. And I'm definitely yeah. going to stick with Betty Sue because the other option is that she falls totally in love with me and we become evil queens of the universe as I teach her how to use her powers for personal gain. <laughs> oh, that's a good point, too. Yeah, I would read that book. Yeah. I mean, if you're in with a lizard person, they were rich, too. That's my choice. How about you guys? I initially was going to say, say Betty Sue because redhead, but I think I'm switching to lizard person. Yeah, teen lizard person. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the desert. <laughs> All right, next up, uh, would you rather have the Republican Party or Betty Sue make decisions about reproductive rights? <laughs> I feel like it's very this grim. Is That's a really loose. hard question. Um, I, I think I'll go with Betty Sue again because I feel like... Betty Sue doesn't care about other people getting abortions. She just cares about her romantic rival getting an abortion. And sure? I'll never be her romantic rival because I'll never want to fuck a guy who she's into. I think Betty Sue is pro-choice, but then she's pro-punishing you if you make the wrong choice. <laughs> Right? I don't think she's... Betty Sue is pro-free will, so I don't know. <laughs> but she's like, oh, like, she kind of suggests that this is all Roxanne's fault because she decided to have the abortion. Like, if you had had the baby, I would never have come out to kill you because I was your baby. Right? right. Like, then she just would have been a baby, so she couldn't have hurt anyone. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. I think we still do not understand Betty Sue's whole <laughs> plot here. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess I'll put Betty Sue in charge. I don't know. She's probably she's more personally vindictive, but I think yeah, on a broader scale, less vindictive overall than the Republican Party overall. Right. I agree. I agree. And and there's only one Betty Sue, um, <laughs> and the Republican Party is sort of. I mean. You know, they're infinitely self-replicating, so. Yeah. All right. They're inescapable, you know? Yeah. Sad, but true. <laughs> All right. Our, our last question is, I guess, kind of similar to the <clears throat> first one, but a different spin on it. Uh, would you rather be trapped in Betty Sue's butterfly jar or trapped in the lizard people's scavenger hunt mine? Which, for those who didn't listen to our scavenger hunt episode... They, the lizard people are trying to trick humans to go out to this like abandoned mine in the desert because they had to do a sacrifice there so they could live forever, but it wasn't really forever. It was just like for a while. Fucking something. Yeah. 
Um, I'm going to go with the mine because I feel like there's more of a chance of escape there because it's not personal. Like, they just want any fucking people to sacrifice. So if I manage to escape and manage to get far enough away fast enough, they'll probably not bother to come after me and just get some other schmuck to go into the mine for their sacrifice. Whereas if I'm in Betty Sue's butterfly jar, it's probably because she hates me specifically for some reason. That's true. Hey, what happened to everybody else in their town? Are they just dead or is it not... I think that she, like, opened, like, a pocket dimension almost with just the five people she hated. Oh, okay. And that the rest of the town was going on as normal based on that newspaper article and how it said, like, oh, you right. know, Stan was found dead in his bed and Leslie was found dead in her garage. And Okay. Well, that doesn't really make sense, but that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, think I'm, I think Kate makes a compelling argument for a lizard people mine. I think I'll do that as well. And then yeah. also, like I mentioned earlier, I think it would be at least a more straight, if they do get you, if you do die in the mine, at least they kind of like, they kill you, they use their blood for their ritual or whatever, but then you're kind of done. Versus in the butterfly jar, you could be looping for like a while, and that seems upsetting. Yeah, I'm also going to go with the the lizard mine, um, because for some reason, this book really terrified me when I was reading it as a kid. Oh, yeah. Like, like sometimes, like if I was like up late at night when everybody else was asleep, I would start to think like, "Is everybody else still here? Like, am I <laughs> the only one here?" So I think that that's to me much more terrifying. I'll, I'll face the mine. Yeah. Um, I think I would go for Buddy Sue's butterfly jar. Actually, um, yeah, because um, I feel like you know if you could just sort of stay off the radar for a while, like. There would be a lot of time for, like, reading and napping before Betty Sue maybe came for you. So, you know, I wouldn't mind just being kind of alone and having time to nap uh, for a while. <laughs> at this point. That's a good life. point. <laughs> Although, Betty Sue killed all the pets in the butterfly jar. Or they were I, removed you know, from I, it anyway. I did take that into consideration. <laughs> yeah. But she so also like, killed all the bugs. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's so. a good no spiders. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, now we'll move on to our reader's advisory where we suggest books to read instead of or in addition to this one. Um, I got to say, of the two Christopher Pike books that I've read, this one was way better. If you were looking to read a Christopher Pike re- book, uh, this one's pretty good. You can buy it on Amazon for one cent. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, in the same vein as Christopher Pike, like, obviously, if you like Christopher Pike, you probably want to read other Christopher Pike books. Uh, there's also an R.L. Stein book called Ski Weekend, which I haven't read since I was, like, 11, but I believe it is about a group of teenagers being snowed in together, so it's that same sort of confined space trope. Mm. So if you like that about, about this book, that might be a good R.L. Stein book for you to read. Um, on a similar vein, I would recommend the recent-ish series um, Gone by Michael Grant, where um, all the adults vanish, and I think it's everybody who's under 16 gets left in this town, and there's also a kind of bubble that keeps them from getting beyond town, and they also, some of them have superpowers that develop from the bubble. 
Um, I only read the first one. I actually did not like it very much, but it's a pretty popular series. And, like, the concept is definitely compelling. So if you're into this whole butterfly jar trapped scenario, you'd probably probably like those. Yeah, Yeah, in a similar vein to those just continuing on the confined space sort of nightmare horror trope, uh, the monsters are due on May. Street, which is an episode of the Twilight Zone where a um, block of a small town realizes that they can't leave their block essentially um, and that nothing's working and uh, they all freak out and it's really classic television and if you haven't watched it you absolutely should. It's streaming on Netflix. Go watch it. Um, Also if you like stories about like charismatic weirdos who write a lot, definitely listen to Hamilton the musical if you haven't already (laughs) yeah um in fact why are you even listening to this i mean you're probably not you're probably just listening to hamilton we're talking (laughs) into the void (laughs) the we'll put a whole bunch of other confined space and other recommendations on the website because i have like a million Mm -hmm. um but the one other one that I'll give is um, the Southern Reach Trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer, which is a recent-ish adult sci-fi trilogy about a group of explorers that go across this strange barrier that has randomly appeared in the United States um, into this wilderness to explore why it's there and what it means. And there's certain degrees of this sort of trapped having to figure things out and also someone is pulling the strings and you don't know who there's elements of that in different ways in all three of the books and they're very good and compulsively readable and very scary i will also recommend um you know it's it's similar because it's about teenagers who feel trapped and it's the princesses of iowa by uh molly bacchus who who is right here with us right now who wrote an awesome book that you should read that really has nothing to do with us but well they she's the girl is a writer kind of right Uh, yeah but i mean she isn't writing she's she's just a newbie so she doesn't have her powers of trapping people (laughs) in butterfly jars yet (laughs) i'm i'm waiting for princesses of iowa to the butterfly jars (laughs) (laughs) Um, other than that, uh, Abby and Molly, do you have anything you want to suggest? Any, or Christopher Pike greatest hits or anything else? Well, if uh, you like books about girls who kill themselves and then <laughs> force people to, you know, piece together why afterwards, 13 Reasons Why by Jay Asher. Oh, um, yeah. Selena Gomez is making a Netflix series of that, which I will Oh, watch. yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. And it and I I wanted to recommend the Secret Place by Tana French because I'm obsessed with it and it's like I just love Tana French but it's about um, teen teenagers and murder um, but unlike this book it's like really beautifully written <laughs> so <laughs> how dare you and I'm sorry Christopher <laughs> Pike the Christopher Pike book that I'd recommend I can't think of the title of it but it's like this the group of teens goes on vacation together down to Mexico and then they all start getting sick and they can't figure out why and because they had an abortion (laughs) no it was because they like one of them like hurt their friend like accidentally like paralyzed her or something and so yeah it but it's I can't remember I think it might be called weekend that kind but of happened like in the... Scavenger Hunt. Like, they were being <laughs> punished because one of the kids broke their leg or something. I just did a quick Google. There is a Christopher Pike book called Weekend. Yeah, this sounds like the one you were describing. Yeah, Weekend. 
And of course, Whisper of Death gets a gets a thumbs up from me, I suppose. <laughs> for at least compared to the only other Christopher Pike book I've read. All right, so we'll have all those and some other ones up on our website, worstbestsellers.com. And now we will uh, move on to our candy pairing, where we will suggest candy to go along with this book, much like you might suggest a fine wine to go with your meal. Um, I'm going to say for mine, I'll say dark chocolate-covered coffee beans, because um, they they energize me, they keep me going, but pregnant women probably shouldn't eat them. Uh, For my candy pairing, I chose milk duds, which are not actually that great. But once I start eating them, I can't stop. And I only start eating them out of nostalgia for my childhood. All right, Abby, what's your candy? Uh, My candy that I would pair with this are the um, baby bottle pops, which I personally think are probably pretty gross, but I think are very thematically appropriate here. And I said fun side Snickers with bits of glass in them because (laughs) they are... They seem like they're just like a fun little bite, uh, but it will actually just kill you. (laughs) Also, they're both regressive fear-mongering tales. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) True. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And now we'll play our favorite game, The Rock, Paper, Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Abby and Molly will pick their favorites, or choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. If Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, he would be a guidance counselor at Salem High School because he wants to give back to the community. When Betty Sue starts getting all weird and hinting at suicide and stuff, Stan confides in him that he's worried about her. And he also tells The Rock all his theories about Betty Sue's powers because even though he knows it sounds crazy, he trusts The Rock not to judge him. And The Rock 100% believes him, of course, and calls Betty Sue in for a counseling session before she can kill herself. And he's so kind and compassionate that she confesses at least some of her powers and issues to him. And he ends up telling her that this town is garbage and full of terrible people. And he takes her away for a weekend to a less crappy place where he just, like, introduces her to a writing group, maybe, and some other, like, non-asshole friends. And she feels less of a desire to kill someone. So it really strengthens her resolve to get through high school, especially once The Rock convinces her to press charges against Helter for the rape. Betty Sue graduates and gets the hell out of Salem without murdering anyone, choosing instead to use her powers to make her own life better, which The Rock sort of turns a blind eye towards. Uh, Helter goes to jail, Leslie Bell becomes a waitress in L.A. while trying to act, Stan gets into a super good college and never comes back to Salem, and Rox and Pepper probably eventually settle into dead-end jobs in Salem and have a boring, stagnant marriage, but they have planned and wanted children. All right. Well, if Wolverine were in this book, um, I would say that Professor X would identify Betty Sue as an unstable young mutant with some kind of powers that uh, she really needs to get under control, so he decides she needs to come to his school for some ethically questionable mutant schooling. Unfortunately, all the other X-Men are busy, so he sends Wolverine, who, uh, unlike the other X-Men, is a very efficient multitasker, to Arizona (laughs) to fetch her. And on the drive back to New York, she starts telling him her creepy stories about the butterfly jar, and he is not creeped out. He has dealt with much creepier, and he tells her some of the shit he's seen as an X-Men. Uh, eventually, she starts talking about her pregnancy and unrequited love for Pepper, 
And Wolverine tells her that Pepper's son's shitty, but that doesn't mean that she would get to murder him and his other pregnant girlfriend. Uh, he tells her, living well is the best revenge, and if you can't do that, then just get really good at stabbing things and then looking sorrowfully off in the distance. At Xavier's Academy, uh, she learns to do just that, and eventually she gets her own comic book series in which she starts dating uh, Eliana Rasputin, a.k.a. Magic, who also has some weird, unexplainable magic powers, uh, which brings them closer together. And also, since um, they're both women, they never have any unwanted pregnancies and never have to deal with this again. <laughs> oh, man, both good. But you must choose. Uh, I think I would leave the book as is, actually. Oh. Oh. Right. I know, right? It's because, pretty good. Yeah. Like, I just, on every page, I was like, what? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of enjoyed that. Now yeah. that I'm an adult and I'm not worried that, like, <laughs> the entire world is going to disappear. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm going to vote for The Rock because... Stan gets a good, uh, a happy ending in that version, and I'm, I'm, I was very sorry to see Stan go. So I would like to send Stan to Grinnell. Oh yeah, <laughs> he would do well there. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's I'm not trying to sway your opinion. You voted for The Rock. I think that if Betty Sue gets out of Salem and goes to New York, I think everyone else would end up with like happy. Like Stan would be able to move on just fine. Because he wouldn't well, have to be her servant anymore. I just maybe didn't. Maybe you should have included that. In yeah, you're right. Your story. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I just thought you would extrapolate naturally. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I need assurance that Sam's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, understandable. All right. Thanks for playing. Good job to Stan and The Rock. Um, and now we'll move on and just quickly state what we think the moral of the story is. Um, I think it has the same moral as Mean Girls, which is don't have sex, you'll get pregnant and die. Or fall on a pitchfork. Good. <laughs> right. <laughs> and die. <laughs> I would say the moral of the story is that premarital sex is the leading cause of making your boyfriend's ex-girlfriend so jealous that she implants a magic reincarnation fetus in your uterus. <laughs> so just, you know, stay with abstinence. Uh, I think the moral of the story is that... Uh... We really need Planned Parenthood in, like, all of our small towns. <laughs> True. Um, I think the moral of the story is never date a witch. And <laughs> also never date someone who used to date a witch. Even if you have no idea that he dated a witch or that witches exist. Just avoid it. Um, also, you shouldn't rape witches, live next to witches, or help witches with their homework. Uh, are you calling for a witch hunt, Molly? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, just steer clear, steer clear. <laughs> like live and let live, but just don't date them, live by them, rape them, or or like talk to them. <laughs> yeah, so. Fair enough. Don't shower with witches, you know, <laughs> etc. Yeah, I think that's in the Bible. God said, never share a shower with a witch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that gym teachers are. Um, you know, responsible for a lot of, of bad things that witches have done because <laughs> they will shower together. So true. <laughs> All right. We'll move on now to Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will give his opinions on the book. <coughs> All right, Duarte. Well, I think 
I mean, I was concerned also that all the pets disappeared, but I think Kate's right. I think they're all in a pocket universe and all the cats and stuff are fine. Um, They're probably safer than normal since Betty Sue is not with them. Or maybe she is. Yeah, you should just be happy that the cats, you know, Betty Sue seems to have liked cats because she didn't feel the need to murder any. So, uh, uh, you know, you retain your position as the king of the animal kingdom. I I also just want to say, Duarte, that while putting all those mice in jars, as you suggested, might be kind of fun, like, ultimately, you know, it's kind of cruel. It's just, you should just let them go. Yeah. Just eat what you need. You don't have to. And really, I give you cat food all the time. You don't actually need to eat any mice. <laughs> all right. We'll talk I about mean, I'm, I'm all for cats catching mice, you know, but uh, just, eat, you just get them. <laughs> Kill them like a lizard person. <laughs> Fast and brutal. <laughs> Don't play with them. All right. Well, as ever, Dorte, thanks for your opinions. And now, do any humans have any closing thoughts? This was a weird book. I liked it. Uh, That's I think, it. Can we talk about Saudi just for a second? Yeah, let's talk about oh, Saudi. So, like in the in the authors about the author, or whatever in this book, it uh, talks about another book that he wrote, uh, which is Saudi, an adult novel about a very unusual lady. And I just have to say that, like. I mean, I read all of Christopher Pike's books when I was a kid, but, like, Saudi kind of, like, actually informed my, like, thoughts about religion. And it talks about this woman kind of appears one day and says that she's God. And then everybody, like, kind of deals with that. And, like, I mean, I know I was, like, 13 or 14 or something like that, but it was, like, it had a profound effect on me. So, you know. Well, and also, even just the summary of it, um, we were talking before this about how it sounds so captivating, um, just that little description of it, and also the fact that it's for adults when all this other stuff is not. But actually, after we talked about it, I looked up Saudi on Amazon, and there's, um, I want to say it was School Library Journal, there's a review linked in there that says it's great for young adults. So I don't think it even <laughs> is for adults. Let me see if I can find that again. I read all of his adult yeah, novels I, when I was in middle school, too, so. <laughs> yeah, they're all the same, basically. I don't know what it makes it an adult novel. Right. He has, there's another callback to another book that he wrote um, early early in the book, Rocks and Pepper, when they go on their date, they go see the movie this, A Season of Passage, which is an adult novel that he wrote um, about Mars and kind of like aliens and ancient civilizations and all this stuff. And I read it until it fell apart, and I had all of my friends in, like, seventh grade sign my copy of the book, which I still have. Aww. So, yeah. Yeah, I pulled it up. It, it definitely was School Library Journal that said uh, the book is clearly suitable for YA. <laughs> yeah, I had wondered I, about the passage of whatever Mars one, because the way that she talked about it in the narration, it was like, oh, it's a movie about the second expedition to Mars. And I'm like, is this saying that this takes place in a world where there have been two expeditions to Mars in 1991? Or <laughs> what? It was oddly specific, but if it was a callback to another book, that might be why it was oddly specific. Well, and the funny thing is, like, the season of Passage is, like, set, quote, in the future. Like, the future is, like, 2005 or something like that, so. <laughs> yeah, when we've already been to Mars, and we left Matt Damon there. Right, right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much to Abby and Molly for joining us. I'm so happy that you could. Thank you for having us. This was very enjoyable. Yeah. Thanks for letting us talk about Christopher Pike. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, yeah, talk about it and record it, because it's not like this, you had previously been barred from talking about Christopher Pike. <laughs> oh, I talk about We just give you a slight audience for it. As you know. <laughs> you know, like the five people left who aren't listening to Hamilton right now. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you can follow us as a podcast on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S, and also like us on Facebook, where we're Worst Bestseller spelled normally. You can follow me personally on Twitter at at 14 across. You can follow me at Renata Snacks. You can follow me at Abby Librarian. And you can follow me at Molly Bacchus. You can also visit us on the web at worstbestsellers.com where you will find links to our reader's advisory as well as notes for the show with links to things that might be relevant and all sorts of other things for our past episodes. And also just a casual, subtle reminder that if you click on any Amazon link from our website and then buy anything at Amazon, it doesn't have to be the thing that we link to. If you buy anything and you start from our website, then we get a little percentage of that back. And that, you know, that goes back toward our expenses of having to buy all these one cent Christopher Pike books and whatnot. That's pretty cool. (laughs) And Um, our broken pop filters that are on their last legs and need to be replaced. (laughs) That's a whole $5. It's a lot. (laughs) <laughs> um also you know you should go to start from our website and then go buy the princesses of iowa by molly bacchus because it's it's really good and then it'll benefit us and also molly and also the state of iowa i think will get a small kickback as well just by using their <laughs> name in the title <laughs> it gets the love iowa gets the love yeah um also you should visit abby's blog abbythelibrarian.com um, I guess especially if you're a librarian, but even if you're not, there's good book reviews and such there. Yeah. You should also <laughs> subscribe to us on Stitcher and iTunes. And if you do, you should rate and review us because it makes us look more popular on iTunes. Like we have lots of friends and we're really cool. And also if you don't, we'll be really sad and we might have to trap you in a butterfly jar and murder you in an obscure way. Oh, I'm just forcing everyone to write reviews by writing weird little stories about them. They... Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's going pretty well so far. <laughs> <I think. laughs> good, good. All right. I think that's all the stuff we're supposed to tell you about. If not, whatever. Uh, they... <laughs> Thanks for listening. And we will be back in two weeks with Purity by Jonathan Franzen, which is a a real 180 from Christopher Pike. <laughs> or is to it? Share it with my orphan. <laughs> Our orphans that we keep in jars. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thanks, Obama. <laughs>